this series on man, the image of God. We've had a look at uh, various aspects of man in the teaching so far. We've identified that there is the, obviously the outward man and the inward man. The outward man is made up of our physical bodies, including the organ of the brain. And uh, the inward man is made up of four parts that are revealed to us in Scripture, which is the will of man, um, the spirit of man, the conscience of man, um, and the mind of man, which is the soul. Um, and in this series we've dealt with, well, we've gone through the will of man so far, we've looked at the conscience of man. And at this uh, particular point in time, we're looking at the spirit of man, which we said is in fact the essence of man, um, because uh, it is our spirits that are born again. And we've had a look at various aspects of the spirit of man, and we're continuing with that uh, uh, side of the teaching today. And what we've looked at in the previous teaching is what the consequences are for walking in darkness. For we said that uh, the spirit of man born again is light in the Lord, and the spirit of the unbeliever is darkness. But we said because we're light in the Lord, that does not prohibit the believer from walking in darkness. Now, they don't become darkness when they walk in darkness. They just step outside of light into darkness, but the spirit remains light. Nevertheless, there is a consequence consequence uh, for walking in darkness and the scripture in 1 John 2 10 says he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him and so we saw that when we abide in the light and we're walking in the light of our spirits that we do not uh, stumble anymore in life um, and we stumbling in scripture refers to committing sin and so the believer who walks in their spirit will no longer stumble because they will see clearly um, any offense that arises, they'll negotiate around it, they won't stumble into it. Whereas a believer who now steps out of light into darkness, the blinds have come up, they can no longer see clearly, and when the offense arises, they stumble over it, and so they just progressively get into more and more sin. And so there is definitely a consequence to the believer who chooses to walk in darkness and not walk in the light. Um, and you can go back and have a look at that. Then we saw that lighting uh, dispels um, darkness and it also attracts. So it, has the, it, it performs a dual function, it dispels and it attracts. And we saw that in this world um, there are going to be people who will be attracted to the light of the believer and there are going to be people who will be are repelled by the light of the believer. And so that's just a natural course of events because the believer's light, the unbeliever's darkness, and the two don't fellowship. But when a, an unbeliever is obviously attracted, it's because they see something different, different, they want to know what it is, and God is obviously using that to bring them into the kingdom of God. And then we had a look at the fact that the, the spirit of man is either sinful or righteous. Now, in the kingdom of God, things are black and white. There's no gray area in the kingdom of God. Um, and so we have seen so far, and especially in the spirit, it is so clear. In the spirit, the spirit is either alive or it is dead. There's no middle ground. We said that the spirit is either light or it is darkness. There's no middle ground. And uh, we also said that the spirit is either righteous or it is sinful. There's no middle ground. Now, obviously, we're talking about unbeliever being sinful, believer being righteous. And so the spirit of the born-again believer um, only has capacity for good and for righteousness. 
For we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and that is our spirits. Our spirits were born again, and they're born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, cannot be corrupted. John said to us in his writings that he who is born, born of God cannot sin. Um, 1 John 3, 9 says, For whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. And so that we understand it is the spirit of the born-again believer that cannot commit any sin, which is why uh, we said that the Holy Spirit can reside within the spirit of the born-again believer because there is no sin there. And so whereas the unbeliever spirit only has capacity for sin, our Lord Jesus refers to the unbeliever as um, being evil, and he in fact refers to them as being of their father, the devil. And we understood that when our Lord was saying that, he talks about the unbeliever taking upon themselves the nature of their father, the devil, which is death. And whereas we take upon ourselves as born-again believers the nature of our father, God, uh, which is life. And so that is really the, the state of the, the spirit of man, um, born-again and unbeliever. And then we saw what happens to a, when a believer commits sin, we saw that it does not impact on the spirit of the believer. Um, so we said we can commit sin. There's no hindrance for the believer in committing sin once they come into the kingdom of God. We still have our own free will. The Bible gives us the choice. He says, walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the choice is ours. And so we choose either if we're going to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. Our flesh being made up of the physical earthly bodies we, we uh, dwell in plus the carnal mind set that we have. That, that makes up the flesh. And so the believer at any one time is faced with a choice in the affairs of life to either react in the flesh or react in the spirit. And not only just react, but obviously just um, negotiate life in their spirit or in their flesh. The moment they decide to do it in the flesh, the blinds come up and all of the negative impacts uh, ramifications of walking in darkness start to take effect in the believer's life. And so we said it's, it's vital as believers that we should walk in the righteousness that has been delivered to us. For it is one thing to be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is entirely a different thing to actually walk in that righteousness. And we said it is entirely possible for Christians, for believers, to walk completely free from sin. That is how God has designed us to walk. Um, for uh, the scripture says to us that he who abides in him ought himself to walk even as he walked, talking about Jesus. Jesus never committed any sin. And so people say, yeah, but that's impossible for believers to not commit any sin because the Bible says that we all stumble in many things. James teaches us that. And that is true. But we differentiated between known sin and unknown sin. Under the Old Covenant, if the Jews committed sin during the year, they were required and they knew about the sin that they had committed. They were required to go to the temple and offer a sacrifice for the cleansing of their sin. However, there was one um, day a year, the Day of Atonement, <coughs> when the high priest would go into the, um, the temple and he would offer a sacrifice to God on behalf of the nation and himself for all the sins committed by the nation of ignorance and unintentional sins. So once a year, that sacrifice was made. Um, the Jews couldn't, weren't offering sacrifice for the unintentional sin and the sins committed in, in ignorance 
all the time because that was not a requirement of God. God's requirement was you offer your sacrifice for your known sin during the year. Once a year, the high priest comes before me. He offers the sacrifice for all unintentional sin and all sins committed in the ignorance. That's taught us in the book of Hebrews and also under the Old Covenant. And so that's how God dealt with the Jews' sin of, un, uh, of ignorance and unintentional sin, that sacrifice once a year. Uh, under the New Covenant, it's different for us because we have to be able to remain in fellowship with the Lord because one of the consequence we, consequences we said to the believer who chooses to walk in darkness is that they also step out of fellowship with God. And you can go back in the detail of that teaching. Um, and so the fellowship is broken. And so for the Christian who is walking in the light as he is in the light, God wants us to remain in fellowship with him. So the way he overcomes the problem of an unknown sin and unintentional sin being committed by the believer is that the blood of Christ continuously cleanses us from all sin. Um, do I have that scripture? Bear with me. One John one six seven says, "If we say we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth." And we've dealt with that. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us. A present tense continually. Uh, cleanses us from all sin and so the sin that the blood of Christ is, is cleansing us from all the time is all the unintentional sin that we commit and the sins of ignorance that we commit because as James says in his letter which is very true uh, we all stumble in many things um, because we just know so much we only know in part we don't know everything in this life and so we do continually commit uh, sin of, of ignorance and uh, unintentional sins and so God takes care of that in that he, as that sin is committed, he cleanses us with the blood of the Lamb straight away. And so the only sin that hinders the believer from walking in fellowship with the Lord is known sin. And so it's very possible, and it is, in fact, it, it, that's the way God has designed us to walk, is to not walk in any known sin. And thus we can enjoy fellowship with God at all times, and we can walk in the light even as he is in the light. So yes, it is very possible for Christians to walk completely free from sin. And we should. That's how God has designed us to operate. And you have to believe it. Um, as, as I say, the majority of the church don't believe that truth. They believe it is impossible not to commit sin. And so you know, it's, we can only ever receive from God that which we believe. You can't then get God, you, we tie God's hands, kind of, it's not the right word, but it, it's just the analogy I want to put across. If we choose not to believe, God can't bless. God cannot move on our behalf unless we believe. That's how we came into the kingdom of God. We had to believe the gospel, and then we were saved. And so if a believe a Christian, and let's forget about believer now, because we're talking about a believer who doesn't believe. So if a Christian chooses not to believe that they can walk free from sin well that's it they're not going to walk free from sin because it is only God that enables us to do that and the only way God enables us to do anything in his kingdom is by faith we have to believe it when we believe it he doesn't and so you have to have the the mindset you have to be fully convinced in your mind that this is the way God has called you to walk if you choose to believe it God will do it because 
faith receives from God. But as I say, the majority of Christians don't believe this. And because they don't believe it, they continue to walk in sin. Because they honestly believe that sin is more powerful than the sacrifice. Now, when I say that, they don't, they're not really saying that the blood is not... They, they believe God can uh, forgive their sin. But they don't believe it's possible for them to walk free from sin. And if you go study the book of Romans, uh, Paul tries to teach the church that particular principle. That we can and should indeed walk free from sin. And then we said, as, uh, as, as I mentioned, because the born-again spirit is free from sin, and a lot of Christians believe that and, and accept that truth, my spirit is free from sin, that's fine, but don't tell me that I, as, a, as, as Mike Moore, as a human uh, walking on this planet, can walk free from sin. That, they say, is impossible. My spirit can walk free from sin, and I have no problem with that, believing that, uh, those who understand the difference. But for me to walk free from sin, no, that's not going to happen. And so, as I say, because they don't believe it, it doesn't materialize in their lives. But those who choose to believe it and act upon it, God enables them to walk free from sin. And it is such a blessing to walk free from sin because, you know, there's just all of those negative things that kick in once you start to walk in sin. And walking in sin and walking in the flesh, one and the same thing. It means exactly the same thing. So... Christians who say it's impossible to walk free from sin are saying it is impossible to walk in the spirit. They can only ever walk in the flesh because that is the equation. To walk in the flesh is to walk in sin. To walk in the spirit is to walk in righteousness. For the spirit is only righteous, has no capacity for sin. So if you understand that concept and it becomes clear to you, you can begin to apply your faith to that and God will then bring it about in your life. And you will find yourself walking free from sin. Known sin. Forget about the unknown sin. God deals with that. And so we want to touch on today um, a section about, because we've, you know, we've looked at what our spirit is. We've looked at, you know, it's, it's uh, either life or it's death. It's either light or it's darkness. It's either righteousness or it's sin. So we, we've looked at the state of this, the spirit. But we, we need to now, as believers, learn how to get our spirit to the place where God intended it to be. Because remember, we also mentioned about the fact that the spirit is born of the seed of the word of God. And so a seed needs to grow. And we said that if we grow um, spiritually and we, and we mature spiritually, the natural progression will be that we will produce the fruit of the spirit. We said it's a natural thing. It's not something to be strived for. It's not something that we need to really work at. Because um, a tree never works at producing fruit. It just produces fruit. And our Lord said to us, if you abide in me and I as the vine, you as a branch will bear much fruit. Now, go look at branches. There's no striving there. They just produce fruit. Because that's their function. That's what they are designed to do. And so we're designed to do that as well. But we said, um, when you come into the kingdom of God, you're not able to just bear fruit straight away. Because it's, we, we're born again in seed form. So we need to now transition from being that seed to becoming fully mature trees that produce fruit uh, year after year after year in the kingdom of God. So that's where really what we want to concentrate on in, in today's uh, teaching. And so we, you have to have this mindset as a believer that you are a spirit being um, and you know 
unless you grasp the, that truth, you, you talk to Christians, and I, I watch it, you, you mentioned to the fact that you're actually a born-again spirit being. They, they, you can see that there's just no register there. They just don't grasp this truth about the fact that they are spirit beings. Um, they view themselves as what they see in a mirror, and that's who they are. But the fact that there's a spirit inside them that had the, has the potential to become like Christ, it is not something that re registers on the understanding at all. But this is something that the church needs to really get a hold of, is that she is a spirit being, and she has the potential to become like her Lord and Master. Remember our Lord said, you guys can't be greater than me, but you certainly can be like me. And Jesus has no problem with any believer becoming like him. He rejoices when the believers become like him because that is what God's ultimate intention is, is for us to be conformed into the image of his son. That's where God wants us all to be. That's where Jesus wants us all to be. So God's very pleased with us if that is our intention. Um, because that's where he intends us to be, and we're now then walking in his will. And so a scripture we can open up with on this point is in Luke chapter 4, verse 40. Scripture says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ was born into the earth as a babe. Naturally speaking, he was, a, he was born as a weak little baby. And as that weak little baby, he had to be taken care of by his parents, Joseph and Mary. And they would have to feed him, they would have to change his diapers, um, they would have to do everything for him as a baby because we understand in the natural a baby is pretty helpless. And unless, it's interesting how God designs things because in the, in the, in the wild, um, you know, a, 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 a a deer that's born, or a, um, in, in, in South Africa we have all these different antelope that get born. They, they get born, and within minutes after they're born, they can stand up, and they can start walking around and jumping around within minutes, because they need to be able to get out there and start running as soon as possible, because there are predators out there that would devour them as quickly as they can. And so they can't lie around. Now, the human baby can't. I mean, it takes years, a couple of years at least, before they start to crawl and to toddle around. And, you know, and so they, they wouldn't survive in, in the wild, whereas the animal does because God has designed them that way. So naturally speaking, a human baby that is born is, is helpless and needs to be looked after and nurtured. And, and, and fed so that it can grow physically. Now, that's how our Lord came into the earth. But at the same time, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who became the Son of Man, came into the earth as a spiritual babe. He was also born into the earth as a spiritual man. Now, he wasn't born again at that time. He was born again uh, when he went to the cross, and we dealt with that. But it, when he first came into the earth, uh, he was born as a spiritual babe. He was not born spiritually mature. He had to, the Bible teaches us, he became strong in spirit. He had to grow strong in spirit. Just like, the Bible says he was in all points made like we are. 
so that he could uh, um, he could be our, our faithful high priest. And so God made Jesus experience, he tasted of flesh and blood just as we do. He tasted of everything. See, he experienced life as we experience life. And so when our Lord was born into the earth, he was born spiritually immature, kind of a, not the right word, but a spiritual babe. As, a, as he was born a physical babe, so he was born a spiritual babe. And he had to grow physically, and he had to grow mentally, and he had to grow spiritually. And so the Bible teaches us that he grew strong in spirit. If he was always strong in spirit, the Bible never taught us that our Lord had to grow strong in spirit or grew strong in spirit because, you know, he would already been strong in spirit, but that's not the case. He grew strong in spirit. And so if our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the, the ultimate man, had to grow strong in spirit, how much more does his church not also have to grow strong in spirit? Because when we're born again, we're born spiritual babes and we need to grow strong in spirit. And so that's our Lord Jesus Christ. He had to grow strong in spirit, and we too will have to grow strong in spirit. Now we need to understand this truth, because this is where the church falls down very often, is that she does not emphasize this truth. And that's, where, and that's so sad, because that's the essence of who we are. It's our spirits that are born again. Not our minds, not our bodies, not our will, not our conscience, not, not any part of man except the spirit of man. And yet it's the spirit of man that kind of almost gets neglected because the church doesn't concentrate on the spirit of man, but that's where our life comes from. That's where, every, that's where this Christian walk comes from. And so <clears throat> we need to grow strong in, spirits, in, in our spirits. Let's have a look at another scripture, Acts chapter 9, verse 19 uh, to 22. The scripture says, So when he had received food, he was strengthened. This is speaking about the apostle Paul. He had met the Lord on the road to Damascus. Um, background, con uh, the, the context here. He met the Lord and wrote to Damascus. He gets born again. Obviously, he sees Jesus. Jesus appears to him, and he you know, calls him Lord. And so Paul is born again. Um, after that vision, uh, Paul's blind. There's, there's scales that come over his eyes. He gets led into the city of Damascus, and for three days and for three nights, he doesn't eat any food, and he doesn't drink any water, no, no liquids. No food, no liquids. He's just fasting and praying, seeking the Lord. Um, at the end of that time, Ananias comes in because the Lord appears to Ananias and says, I want you to go lay hands on Paul so that he can be filled with the Holy Spirit and so that he can receive his sight. And so Ananias goes in, lays hands on Paul, and Paul is baptized and the Holy Spirit speaks with other tongues and he receives his sight. And then Ananias baptizes him in water as well. Um, and so now we're picking up after Ananias has come into him and, and, and ministered to Paul. Scripture says, so when he, he had received food, he was strengthened. Remember, he had fasted without any liquid or food for three days and three nights. Ananias ministers to him, he gets baptized in water, and now he receives food for the first time uh, after that three-day period. And he was strengthened, okay? We understand what, he, what that means. I mean, you don't eat food for three days and three nights, and you don't drink any liquids for three days and three nights, your body becomes weak. And so he did need to be strengthened. And that's what that is talking about. His physical strength that he incurred after he started partaking of food once again. Then we go, the scripture goes on, it says, Then Saul spent some days with the disciple at, disciples at Damascus. Verse 20, Immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. 
Uh, then all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not he who uh, destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? And so we, there's, a, there's a time gap here that we don't see in this account that Luke gives us in the, in, uh, the book of Acts. And the time gap, if you go look at the book of Galatians, uh, where Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, he, he, he gives them some further insight because he tells them, he said, guys, I didn't get the gospel from men. Nobody taught me this gospel that I got. I got it from revelation from, uh, from the Lord. And so he says, uh, when he was born again, I'm paraphrasing, you can go read it, um, he goes into Arabia. Now, where he went into Arabia, the Bible doesn't teach us that. He, Paul just said he went into Arabia. And he spent time in Arabia. After he had spent time there, he came back to Damascus. And then he began to start preaching the gospel. So the timeline is, is that Paul gets saved on the road to Damascus. The Lord appears to him in a vision. Paul then fasts for, and prays for three days and three nights. And Ananias comes and lays hands on him. He receives the, his sight back. He receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He gets baptizing water. He partakes of physical food to strengthen his body. He then leaves Damascus and he goes into Arabia because he's had a, a, a radical encounter with the Lord. And Paul was a radical believer. He was sold out to God right from the day, day one, which we understood. We said that is why God used him because God knew what he could do through this Paul. And so Paul now goes out into Arabia, and in Arabia, uh, that period of time that he's out there, and it was for at least a couple of years, he gets revelation knowledge from the Lord about the gospel. Because nobody teaches Paul this gospel that he preaches. He gets it directly through the Holy Spirit. And he gets it when he goes into Arabia, and he spends time with God, and God now unpacks this gospel to him and begins to reveal this gospel to him once he has that revelation now what happens paul comes back from arabia and begins to preach in the city of damascus and that's where we pick it up in verse 20 immediately he preached the christ in the synagogues that he is the son of god you say okay well why are you going through all that kind of detail why do we need to know that we understand that because in verse 22 we can now Read that in the correct context. Uh, and let's read and then you understand. Verse 22, the scripture says, But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. So the reason I wanted to put all of that in there is because if you read it just naturally, the Bible says when he would receive food, he was strengthened. And in verse 22, Paul increased all the more in strength. It, people tend to think, well, that's just Paul you know, carried on growing stronger physically because he carried on eating food. Well, that's not the, what the Bible's telling us at all. You know, you don't you can carry on eating food and you just keep going, growing stronger because you're eating food. Not at all. He's talking about his spiritual strength here. Paul grew strong in spirit. Just as his Lord grew strong in spirit, so did Paul grow strong in spirit. And how did he do that? He went into Arabia and he received revelation of the gospel from the Holy Spirit. And so he grew strong in spirit. He was strengthened. And when that happened, he went back into Damascus and began to proclaim the gospel. So the Apostle Paul was born into the kingdom of God as a spiritual babe. 
that spiritual giant that we all look at as an example for he said imitate me as I imitate Christ he put himself forward to the church as an example more than one occasion he did that the Holy Spirit allowed him to do that because he was such a good example for us and so he grew strong in spirit he, he was born again as a spiritual babe he had to grow strong in spirit but notice the timeline that Paul took to grow strong in spirit from the time that he was born again until he because he spends a total of three years in the city of Damascus. In fact, he wasn't there for three years. He gets born again outside the city of Damascus. He goes into Arabia. He most probably spends about two and a half years, maybe a bit more, out in Arabia, getting the revelation. There's he, that's the timeline where he's now growing strong in spirit. He comes back into Damascus and he preaches there for a period of time and then they try to kill him. So he was not preaching there for three years and then they decided to kill him. No, no, no. He was there for just a very short period of time and they were trying to then kill him because he really upset the Jews. He goes back to Jerusalem and he spends just two weeks there and they try to kill him there as well. So he, he doesn't get to spend too much time in Jerusalem before they try to kill him there. And so he didn't get to spend too much time in Damascus before the Jews try to kill him. So he's, his spiritual growth takes place while he's in Arabia and that's over a period of two to two and a half years roughly, maybe a bit more even. Um, but he, he grows strong in spirit and then he comes back and begins to proclaim the gospel. And he, he continues to grow strong in spirit, but by that time he's already grown strong in spirit. So it kind of gives you an indication that spiritual growth doesn't take as long as natural growth. We tend to look at growth from a human point of view and say, okay, well, a baby that is born is going to take at least uh, 18 to 20 years to mature physically. Um, so, you know, as I come into the kingdom, I've got to take 18 to 20 years before I can become a, a mature believer. Not the case at all. Paul matured over a period of two, two and a half years, right? And so we can follow that, that example. Spiritual growth takes place a lot quicker than natural growth. But nevertheless, both processes incur growth. And the increase comes from God. So, um, Paul was born again a spiritual babe. Peter was born again spiritual babe. John, all of them were born again as spiritual babes. All of us are born again as spiritual babes. And we all have to grow strong in spirit. And so it is so vital for the born again believer to grow strong in spirit. That is where the crux of the Christian walk is. No other place. You're never going to do it. This, you will never be a... a uh, a successful, that's not maybe the kind of the right word, Christian, unless you grow strong in spirit. Um, if you neglect your spirit, that's it. You will struggle for the rest of your time on this earth trying to be a Christian. You're never going to make it. Well, you, you will, you know, you'll be a nominal Christian. Um, and, you know, you, you're saved. When you, when you die, you're going to go straight to heaven. No, no problems about that. Uh, our Lord says, and in the book of Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy, he says that even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And so he's talking about the, the nominal Christian who just never grows and remains a baby the whole Christian life. They might, they might be born again and live as Christians for 40, 50 years and die. Um, and that whole period has been a, a period of being a baby Christian, faithless. Nevertheless, he never he remains faithful because he can't deny himself. And so, but it's such a sad thing because to be in the body of Christ and be a Christian for that period of time, and to be born again as a baby of Christ and to die as a baby in Christ, oh, such a sad thing. 
And so we really need to concentrate on getting the spirit, this born again spirit, to the mature uh, spirit that God always intended it become. And another scripture we can have a look at is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Scripture says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so, um, just as our natural body needs to partake of nourishment in order for it to grow, so our spirits need to partake of nourishment in order for them to grow. And the nourishment is, is the Word of God. Now, when we're newborn babes, the Word of God is fed to us in milk form. We don't partake of solid foods, just like a baby. When they're born, they cannot eat solid foods because they have no capacity to chew the food and to, to digest that food. They can only partake of milk. And when we come into the kingdom of God, that's all we can partake of is the milk of God's Word. Now, we will never grow spiritually strong if we continue to partake of the milk of God's Word for all of our Christian walk. Because... No one physically can grow physically uh, strong and mature if they only partake of milk their whole, whole life. We have to partake in the natural of solid foods as well. Our diet has to change. Uh, we, we continue while we are mature adults to partake of milk as well. It, that doesn't change. But the, 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 the diet becomes more varied. And solid food becomes part of our, our natural diet. Well, in the spirit realm, it works exactly the same. When we come into the kingdom, we partake of the milk of God's word. And as we grow spiritually, we are then able to start partaking of the solid food of God's word. But nevertheless, our spirits need that, that nourishment, that spiritual nourishment. Um, because without that, our spirits will never grow. And without our spirits growing, we will never uh, accomplish that which God has uh, uh, called us to accomplish in this life. We'll never walk like Jesus. We'll never display His character because inside, the, the, the spirit that is able to display His character is spiritually weak and not able to do that which it, it is designed to do because we have not built, uh, we haven't strengthened that spirit. We haven't caused that spirit to grow strong. And, you know, the Christian focus should be focused on their spirit, nothing else. Because everything else happens as a result. Now, as we go through the series of teachings, you'll understand what I'm saying. But as you focus on your spirit, everything else falls into place. But if you choose to uh, neglect the spirit, everything else doesn't fall into place. And so, you know, there's very few Christians who make a conscious effort to cause their spirits to grow strong. Um, the reason for that is because it's, it's not really a concept that's taught in the church. Um, you know, we get taught all principles, do this and don't do that. But really what we need to concentrate on is growing our spirits and getting our spirits to grow strong. Um, because unless we understand the importance of the spirit, we will never attain to that which uh, the Lord has uh, called us to walk in. Let's have a look at a, a scripture that contrasts the believer with the unbeliever. But again, he, in this passage, uh, the, the Apostle Paul is contrasting an unbeliever with a mature believer. There's a huge difference. 2 Corinthians verse two, uh, um, chapter 2, sorry, from verse 6. Scripture says, However, we speak wisdom 
among those who are mature, talking about mature believers now, spiritual believers. A mature believer is a spiritual believer. Uh, the Bible uses those two terms interchangeably. They're synonymous terms. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, mature, judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no one. And so this world has no understand, understanding of the concept of the spirit of man. They, they focus on the body of man, they focus on the mind of man. That, those are uh, concepts they understand, because they understand we dwell in, there is a, a physical body, and so a lot is written about and studied and worked on with regards to the body of man. And so you get the medical profession and you get um, sports professions out there. You, you get so much that is geared, I'm talking about the world now, that is geared around the body, the, the physical body. And then you got mental development and the world understands the mind and, and the, the mental development that needs to take place. And so uh, schools are there and universities are there and there is so much input that is given to mankind to develop the brain and, and develop our understanding. And those two concepts are really understood in the world and focused on. But they do nothing with regards to the spirit. They ignore the spirit completely. There's no spiritual development. I say, what do you say? What, what about religions and churches? Yes, there is two degrees, but I mean, it's, it's not biblical. And so the world doesn't, you know, you don't have universities that teach on growing strong, strong in spirit. And, and so the spirit is ignored completely. Because the natural man, the Bible teaches us, doesn't receive the things of the spirit. And so the, the, the world are natural people, that's the natural man, the, the person who's in the world. They don't understand the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit are foolishness to them. They understand the, the physical and they understand the mental. That's what the realm they walk in. Now, many Christians fall into the category of natural man. They're born again and their spirits have been made alive. But still, the thinking is carnal. The thinking is still natural. They have to still transition from being carnally minded, the Bible talks about, to becoming spiritually minded. Now, the spiritually minded believer is a believer who has realized everything is in the spirit. My, my Christian walk is a spiritual walk. I have to focus on the things of the Spirit. The Bible says that um, he who walks in the, in, in the flesh um, sets his mind on the things of the flesh. He who walks in the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And so what we set our minds on determines what we're going to be focused on. And so the world walks in the flesh, that's their natural inclination, and so they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Carnal believers are exactly in the same boat. They also set their minds on the things of the flesh. Because that's what they understand. That's, that's what the carnal and the natural mind understands. It does not understand spiritual things at all. And so those things are foreign to it. And so they shy away from it. Whereas the spiritual man 
focuses his mind on the things of the Spirit. Why? Because he knows and he understands that everything emanates from his Spirit. And so that's where he concentrates and that's where he focuses. And that's why the Scripture says, um, the, uh, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, but he, um, he himself is judged by no one. And so a mature believer, a spiritual believer, when they look at people and they listen to people around them, they are fully understanding as to what's going on in their lives. You've heard this statement time and again in the world. People say, I just don't understand why, what's happening to me. I don't understand why this is taking place in my life. Well, the reason they don't understand that is because there are spiritual connotations for everything that takes place around us. But because they are natural and they don't understand the things of the Spirit, they do not understand what's taking place around them. The spiritual believer, the mature believer, however, does understand what they're going through and why they're going through it because he hears what they say he he sees the way they behave and you know because he has under, he has spiritual understanding he can understand clearly why things are taking place in that individual's life and it's normally things that are going wrong in their lives and people say i don't understand why this happened to me uh, but the spiritual believer understands everything because he has spiritual discernment um, and in the same manner as he understands what's going on around him with the lives of others as well as his own natural man around him doesn't understand the spiritual man they you know the bible says yet he himself is judged by no one when he discerned is the right word but discerned by no one they don't understand him they don't understand his terminology that he uses because he talks about things in the spirit which to them is foolishness and he talks about the way that we walk in the spirit to them is foolishness and so he understands what's going on. They don't understand him. That's the, the contrast between a mature spiritual believer and the unbeliever. But in the same manner, a baby believer, carnal Christian, falls into the same category as a natural man because they have not yet matured spiritually. And so the, the carnal thinking is still going to be the dominant way that they will think. Now, there is a difference between a carnal believer and an unbeliever, and that difference is obviously the born-again spirit. And the, car the carnal believer understands certain truths in the Word of God. Uh, the natural believer, that's not the right terminology, the Bible talks about a baby in Christ and a carnal believer. So let's talk about a baby in Christ. The baby in Christ does understand certain spiritual truths. The, the, the first and main truth I understand is salvation in Christ because that's how they came into the kingdom because it's in Christ that the veil gets removed um, and so they understand that truth but they don't understand all spiritual truth because remember we, we can only partake of solid foods as we grow physically and so in the spirit this is exactly the same we can only start partaking of solid foods as we grow spiritually so a baby Christian can only partake of the, the milk of God's word because that's all they have capacity to absorb, to digest is another way you can look at it. Um, and so let's have a look at scripture that just kind of reinforces that truth to us. And that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Uh, the scripture says, And I, brethren, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. And so Paul is now uh, 
contrasting the two. He talks about spiritual people, and we've seen a spiritual person is, is one who is mature in the Lord. And he says, I had to speak to you as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So all baby Christians are carnal Christians, according to uh, carnal believers, according to scriptures, and they're babes in Christ. That's the same category. And Paul says, I speak to the two different categories in two different manners. I speak to babies in, on their level, and I speak to mature Christians on their level. And it's exactly the same in the natural. You speak to a baby, you don't uh, you know, speak to him as you would speak to any mature adult. You speak to a baby on the level that they can uh, grasp, because you know, they can't grasp the whole book. Um, but you've got to speak to you if you you got to speak to a professor a, 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 as a baby. He's going to think you're a nut, and so you, you speak to mature people at a different level. And that's what Paul is saying. In the spirit realm, it's exactly the same. And so the scripture says, um, "And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ." Verse two: I fed you with milk, and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And so Paul is saying, ministry gifts, because he's talking about himself, but he's equating himself to ministry gifts. Ministry gifts are, are limited in what they can feed the flock because if the, the ministry gift is ministering to a flock of young lambs you know babes in Christ he can't feed them solid food he can only feed them milk because solid food's not going to go it'll, they'll choke at it and they'll shortly die but anyway they can't partake of that so he changes his vernacular he changes his speech to to minister to them at that level and he says this is how we can identify what level you're at. He says, because if you've got envy, strife, and divisions among you, well, then we know you're still a baby. And so I have to still speak to you as a baby. Now, in this passage, he says, well, you are still carnal. So he's saying, guys, you should have been matured by now, but I'm still having to feed you with milk because you guys are not growing up. Now, when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth, that church had been in existence for at least three years, if not more, maybe probably about four years. And so Paul is saying, you guys should be at a level where I can start feeding you solid food, but you're not there yet because you're still displaying all this stuff. And the stuff he refers to is envy, strife, and divisions. Now, there's obviously a lot more than baby Christians display because they display the same nature as the carnal, as the unbeliever, because they're still carnal in their thinking. But remember Paul, he grew strong in spirit in a two and a half year period. And so it is definitely quite possible for Christians from the time they're born again to four years later become mature in Christ. That's uh, a given. It's very possible. Because our spiritual growth is not at the same pace as natural growth. God doesn't work that way. Spiritual growth can be accelerated, and we have a part to play in that. But nevertheless, um, baby believers are very similar to unbelievers. Because they, 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 their understanding is at the same level, really. Now, as we said, they do understand some truth because they understand salvation. And there are certain things because uh, the scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.14 says, But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, 
because the veil is taken away in Christ. And when he says their minds are blinded, he's talking about the unbelievers. Their minds are blinded. But the veil is taken away in Christ. And so when we get born again, the veil is taken away. And we now begin to understand spiritual truth in God's Word. But we don't understand all of it straight away because we can't accept it all straight away. Um, we don't have the capacity to receive it all. So it's a, a progressive thing. We have to partake of the milk of God's Word. And as we do, and our spirits begin to grow stronger, well then, yeah, we get to partake of solid food. Remember, a, a baby, when they start on solids, that food gets mashed up for them. And so it gets fed to them in a more solid uh, form than milk, but nevertheless, it's not in a solid form, form where they can chew that word because they don't have their teeth yet. And so they, you know, that's still got to take place. So in the spirit, it's pretty much the same. Um, we start to see more and more of the truths of God's word as we grow uh, stronger in our spirits and as we begin to feed our spirits. And so the, the, the rate of growth in the spirit is determined by the believer themselves. God gives the increase. Don't forget that. Uh, Paul says it in, in 1 Corinthians. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God give, gave the increase. And so it is God who causes the growth to take place. Now, the church in Corinth had a problem because that church was planted by Paul. Apollos had gone to that church because when Paul made that comment about God give the increase, he was talking about Corinth, the church in Corinth. But four years later, when Paul writes to them, he's saying, you guys are still babies. So Paul had planted, Apollos had watered, but very little increase had taken place in those believers' lives. Their spirits had remained in babyhood stage. And Paul said, there's something wrong here. You guys shouldn't be there. You should by now be mature believers. I should be able to feed you with solid food, but I can't do that because you still are displaying the a carnal nature you and the reason that we said that uh, remember go back to the the series we did on the will the will makes a decision as to which way we're going to walk we either choose of our own free will to walk in the spirit or to walk in the flesh but we also said that uh, when you when we um, become christians two things are brought to bear on the believer's life to to help him decide what he's going to do the influence of the spirit and the influence of the flesh okay now obviously the influence of the flesh will make him go one way the influence of the spirit will make him go the other way and we said our spirit will always influence us to walk in the things of god never in the things of the flesh and the bible teaches us the two are complete, completely contrary to each other now what happens is that when a baby believer is born again their spirits are babes and, and are very weak and are thus not able to exert any great influence on the decision made by that believer. But the, when they come into the kingdom of God, their, their fleshly nature is still strong. Their carnal thinking is still strong. The flesh is still strong. And so he's still able to exert great influence over the decisions that they make. And so they will, their natural, it's an unnatural inclination, but nevertheless, it's still a natural inclination is for, as an act of their will, to go follow after the flesh. Because the flesh is exerting such strong influence in their lives. Why is that? Because their spirits are still weak. And as, as babies cannot influence, uh, make great influence on, on their, um, the decisions that they make as an act of their will. 
And so that's where the problem lies with baby believers. And the, the longer they remain babies, the more it, 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 nothing changes because their spirit is unable to exert any great influence on their decisions that they make. And so they still are completely led by the flesh and walking in the flesh because the flesh is so strong. And so it's so vital for believers as soon as possible to grow strong in spirit so that their spirits can begin to influence, exert a greater influence on the decisions they make as believers, as an act of their free will. And when their spirits are strong, you know, then the believe, it's easier for the believer to make a decision in favor of the spirit and against the flesh. But if the spirit is weak, it's easier for the believer to make a decision in favor of the flesh and not in favor of the spirit. I hope you understand the concept. And so it's so very vital and important for us as Christians to get our spirits to grow strong as quickly as possible. Because a weak believer, Christian, uh, spirit-wise, will never be effectual in, in the kingdom of God because they will always react in the flesh. Their, their natural inclination will be in the flesh. Um, because that spirit just doesn't have the capacity to you know, exert any, any major influence on the on decisions that they make. And uh, that is so important for us as believers. We need to concentrate on the spirit. Uh, uh, I trust that you get in this concept because that's where you, the Christian life lies, is in the spirit of the believer. And that's where, oh, you see it. I mean, I, I know Christians, they, they, they love the Lord. And they've been born again for 30, 40 years, but they are still, you, you can see the way that they react and the way that they speak, they're they, they just still so, still so carnal. They're born again. They, if they were to die tonight, they would be absent from the body, present with the Lord. But there's just, you know, their spirits have just never grown strong enough to exert influence over the decisions so that they just reject the flesh and walk in the spirit. And so, as I said, we are the ones who determine the, the pace by which we grow our strong spiritually. And Paul, we saw, he grew strong in two and a half years, maybe just a little bit more than two and a half years, and he could get out there and he could preach the gospel and confound all the Jews um, because he, his spirit, he had been strengthened in his spirit and he, he, you know, his spirit was knowledgeable. Oh, let me just put this thing across. Um, growing strong in spirit doesn't mean necessarily that you have to have extensive knowledge of the Word of God. It's... You're doing the word of God that you, you know that causes your spirit to grow, a strong in spirit. And anyway, so right into the church of Corinth, Paul is saying, roughly three to four years later, he says, you guys are, are missing it. Uh, there's something that's blocking you. I should be able to feed you with solid food by now, but I can't because you're still babies. And so we need to go back to the drawing board. If we find in our Christian walk that we are reacting in the flesh pretty much on a consistent basis, well, that means my spirit is, is weak and I need to go back and find out why my spirit is weak. And we're talking about spiritual growth. We're going to look at another aspect to weak spirit, strong spirit uh, as we go progress in this teaching. But I'm talking about getting our spirits to, to grow from babyhood stage to mature stage. And so the scripture that we can look at, which just kind of highlights for us that we determine how quickly we're going to grow in strong in spirit or how slowly we will grow in spirit is in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 24. Uh, our Lord speaking, uh, Scripture says, Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. 
but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And so here our Lord is talking about partaking of the food of, of the word of God. And he says, to you who hear, more is going to be given. And so, it's so he, he opens up that statement by saying, take heed what you hear. And so you get Christians out there, they give you know, themselves so little time in the Word of God. They read books and they read um, other stuff, but the Bible, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll read a chapter a day. Now think about it in the natural. If you fed your physical body with one snack a day, you would be completely weak physically. Um, and a lot of Christians feed their body, feed their spirits with one snack a week. They go to church once a week for half an hour. And that's, that's the extent of the spiritual nourishment that they partake of. Well, then what he applies to them, um, our Lord says, with the same measure you use will be measured to you. So if your measurement is, Lord, I can only absorb one, um, one uh, chapter of your, of your word a day. That's it. If there's more than a chapter, some can only, a couple of verses. That's all I can absorb. Well, then God's going to give you that. He's not going to give you solid food because you can't handle it. And so you will always partake of the milk of the Word of God. You'll never partake of anything else. And your spirit will remain a babe. Your spirit will remain spiritually weak. You will never mature to that which uh, God intended you to mature. However, the criteria is us because he says with the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So Lord, I'm going to give myself over to um, a half an hour. An hour, why not an hour a day in the Bible? You say, that's, that's radical. Believe you me, people spend a lot more time in front of the TV than an hour in the Bible. And, and that's the, Lord, that's the measure I'm going to use. Well, God says, okay, well, if that's the measure you're going to use, it, that's the measure I will measure it to you. And you will find yourself very, very quickly starting to grow from spiritual babe into more mature uh, state so that God can now start feeding you with the solid food of His Word. And so it's, we make the decision. It's our choice. God never forces us into anything. We dealt with that when we dealt with the free will of man. So it's as an act of our will. We decide, Lord, I'm going to give you this amount of time every day in your Word. And as I partake, that's what I'm going to give you. God says, okay, if that's your measurement, that's what you're going to get. So small measurement, you'll get a small, small amount. Large measurement, God will give you a large amount. That's how God works. Um, so we determine how quickly we're going to grow in the things of God and how quickly our spirits are going to mature or how slowly our spirits are going to mature. Look, it goes all the way down the other side because our Lord says, for whoever has to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And so, you know, Christians who choose not to feed their spirit, they don't have anything, they never give themselves to the things of God, ah, they're in dangerous ground because a baby left out there will die. It cannot, it has no capacity to look after itself. Um, and so you know, I, that's another teaching entirely. But the point that I want to get across from today's teaching is that it's our spirits that are meant to grow strong. Um, and Jesus' spirit grew strong, Paul's spirit grew strong, everybody's spirit has to grow strong. Every, every mature Christian started out in a babyhood stage. And we all start out in a babyhood stage. We can all reach maturity as believers in that our spirits become strong. 
and then we will naturally walk in the things of God. And they, our spirits can influence, uh, exert greater influence in our lives so that as an act of our will, we can make the decision, the correct decision to walk in the spirit. And we determine how quickly we're going to grow strong in spirit by how much, what our measure is. With the measure we use, it will be measured to us. That's how God operates. And we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen.